All right. Number 11. The guys are back for number 11 of Pro Vault. Austin, LA Connection. I'm here with my co-host with a fresh haircut looking just beautiful Come on, i mean i can't i cannot handle it i look like a weathered old beaten down man and this guy looks just fresh for the weekend uh, the powerful I'm dad with, gang on though that yeah fucks. i'm with robert uh rahil um here and uh we're excited for number 11 we are gonna talk about a few fun things so we're gonna talk about apple sales slide and some of kind of the way they're doing business we're gonna talk about Messi's deal yeah. with inter miami and some of the other things that he's doing is just fucking crazy um powerful and then our yeah, our core topic is going to be the luxury versus premium paradox and experience and how you can apply it either to your DDC brand or SaaS brand. And then, you know, our standard product of the week and growth nugget, and we're going to close it out. So uh, let's talk about Apple a little bit. So I just, I was reading, and it's pretty crazy that the smartphones are down quarter over quarter from last year. And I don't know, I, I was just thinking about, like, is this an economy thing? Is this a saturation thing? And like, what do you think it means going forward? So I don't know, I'll kick it to you, but I've been thinking about it a, a lot since I read that. So I think it's a function of two things. I think it's saturation and sales cycle. So I don't know. I just, for the first time in like forever, I finally cracked my phone and it didn't even crack the front screen. It cracked the, the back glass. Oh. But I just think these phones are getting so good, dude. There's really no reason to upgrade anymore. And so, like, you can hold on to a phone for two or three years, especially if you enter one of the topper, you know, big storage space, getting some really nice specs. Like, so I don't necessarily think it's weakness in the product as much as it's just like everybody that has an iPhone or that wants an iPhone has an iPhone. And people that have iPhones, unless you're like weird, nerdy like me or like... Like I, the last iPhone I bought was because I walked in the Apple store for something else and it was that beautiful blue. And I was like, I've never seen a phone that pretty. Give me that. And I bought, but it wasn't out of necessity or a feature. It was just like, that's a really pretty thing. Let me buy it. And then the latest one I got, I bought it because I wanted to give my the one I had now to my brother to kind of gift it, which is also another thing because the phones are so durable, you can now downcycle to friends mm. and family, mm. which cuts out a purchase because yeah. now they have this really nice phone that they didn't buy. So I don't necessarily think it's in a scary place. I just think it's a function of saturation and durability, which is great for the user because you're, the phones are like laptops now. I think my last phone was like $1,500. Like That's a lot of fucking money, dude. Like yeah. that's, that's like it's a decent laptop kind of thing. So I don't know. That's, that's just kind of my hot take. I don't think it's a, a sign of weakness in the brand or the demand for the iPhone. I just think that you're starting to, I mean, push up against like everybody, like I said, has that wants an iPhone, has an iPhone. And then people that are like quasi on the fence of getting one might be getting um, downcycled iPhones from um, their nerdy relatives and or kids, family members, etc. Yeah. Let me uh, level set what we're talking about. It's 39.6 billion versus 40 billion is we're talking about like, yes, it's it's meaningful, that amount of money to any other company. That's like a, yeah. a, a pimple on Apple's ass. Um, yeah. So it's not a huge amount. Just curious about it. I think what you're talking about is right, though. Like they've become al- almost a, um, a prisoner of their own like quality of innovation. You've gotten yep. so good that you kind of, I've been sitting on my phone for almost two years now and I kind of, Exactly. Should I? I should and it's I still great, phone? right? Oh, dude, like, it's great. Amazing. Great pictures, fast pictures apps incredible. work. Like everything is good. It updates the no. firmware. Blah blah blah. Like it yep. doesn't. It doesn't have any issues. Frankly, the only issue now is my kids will play with the port when it's in yep. there, and so the port doesn't always hit. I yep. have to kind of get it just like like yep. I know how to treat it right, so it gets the yep. the right stuff. So it will um it will charge. Besides that, that would be, that would literally be the only reason I would change the phone is because it annoys me. Besides that, well, but the only know, thing is, I would push back and say you probably have Apple Care though, right? So you could just yeah. get your phone replaced for free, and again, that doesn't count as a purchase. And so, oh. I, I do not. It's a good call out, but I don't. It doesn't scare me that much. So let, let's just go, I guess, through their big revenues. So yeah, like yeah. you said, the iPhones generate about thirty nine point six seven billion. Yeah, um, for Q for the quarter. 
quarter, a quarter, dude. quarter, not a year, not a half year, for a quarter. And candidly, Q threes are usually weak quarters. Q four, Q ones are the big quarters for Apple because you have the the gifting season, buying season, treat yourself, New Year, New You. Q three thirty nine point seven billion. That's, that, banana, that's banana just banana. beyond bananas. Um, the MacBooks putting in a little under six point nine or a little under seven billion. So at six point nine. Nice. Um, you got the iPad at 5.8, which is still astonishing to me. I, I got honey dicked with the iPad Pro because I needed, I, I left my laptop and then I was in Milan and they only had like uh, Italian keyboards. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll just get an iPad Pro. A fantastic machine. I just don't know where it fits in my life, um, but that's not here nor there. And then we got wearables, home and accessories. Um, so like the Apple Watch, uh, AirPods, the home pod shit like that and so that's coming that apple tv kind of thing right apple t- no, thing? no 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 yeah. apple tv oh apple yes correct home. sorry you yeah. know you know what i'm talking about yes correct yeah, yeah i have one the little yeah. black br- bricks yeah, yeah. Uh, great call out and then lastly um the second biggest revenue driver behind the iphone services wild 21.2 billy for q3 plus 8 points year over year yeah that's the, that's so for the me, AWS this is too. bullish. Yeah, yeah. So so let's see. We had the accessories went up. So Apple Watch, AirPods was up two percent year over year for the quarter. iPad was down twenty percent year over year for the quarter. MacBook was down seven percent year over year for the quarter. And like you said, the iPhone slid uh, nominally a couple points um, year over year for Q3. But um, it's just astonishing. And the other thing that we were talking about, like if you broke out AirPods, like it's like just a massive business yeah. unto itself. But um, the services thing is something that really stands out to me yeah. where it's like, because when you think about it, like, are there any services that you can really think about that like you use from Apple? I can't really think of any. They're all just kind of these throwaway services like Apple TV, it's okay-ish. Apple Music, I'm a Spotify guy. iCloud, I just give them my money. I don't even know why I'm giving my money, but it's that yeah. like kind of Netflix amount where it's like... Yeah nine bucks a month. So you're like, dude, yeah. I don't even know why I need to do this, but it's so like, dude, I can I'll, tell I'll you check it out next month. So many kid pictures and videos that my phone exactly, right. up, and it's like, Oh, yep. we'll just sync it. I'm like, all right, two terabytes, like just sitting there. Fine. Take it. Like get, like it's, it's the it's smartest bucks a month. It's the smartest thing. So this is, this is kind of why I said this is like their AWS is the only thing. If you look at that entire line of products, is like it's the health app, it's the cloud, it's news, yep. it's uh, the wallet, it's iTunes, Apple yep. TV or Apple Plus, whatever yep. whatever it's called, and then the App Store. The yep. only thing that costs them money, really, like if if we saw the P and Ls of each one of those line items, is fucking Apple TV because of productions. Yeah, everything and else I, and iCloud for some for, uh, well, for server cost, thing, but yeah. it's but, cost. but marginal, marginal, marginal. But yeah, marginal you're against right. the upside against that because like what, what is the margin on the cloud services? Like they they probably high. don't do AW. They own their own servers, right? Yes. Um, so that's what's really interesting about that is like that is a great line of business Dude, that essentially the they can are, lean into. The margins are fantastic on that. Yeah. So anyway. I thought it was really interesting because Apple's such a behemoth, but you never really go rank stack. Like, okay, what are the core things that they're doing? And I'm very fascinated by this in general. What I would say to companies is a lot of times when you get to scale, like that's when you should start looking at saying like, okay, the thing is the thing, but like what are all the ancillary things around it that we know are core components of people's process? Shopify is doing a fantastic job of this, by the way, right now. Yes. Um, Yes. They're like, okay, we have this thing. What are all the core things that people are using? We have all the usage data through the app store and being yes. hooked into their stores. Now we can go and start building out kind of like the V1s, V2s of these things. And like like Toby said, give give them access to, you know, go use Recharge if you really want great subscription stuff. But we can help yes. you get started. So I think Apple's doing a great job of this. Yeah, well, and I think you nailed it as well because like the the quarter would be a lot worse if you only had your iPhone, MacBook, and iPad, which are what most people identify Apple with is the iPhone, MacBook, and iPad. Those all had misses, right? 2% minus minus 2 points year over year for iPhone, minus 7 points year over year for MacBook, minus 20% year over year for iPad. But guess what? You got this golden goose in services. 
Like you said, yeah. I'm just printing money at high margins. $21.2 billion in a fucking quarter, dude. That is yeah, not dude. nothing. No, man. I have this massive dollars, user base no. to push out stuff onto people. And then, oh, and by the way, let's just throw in $8.3 billion for their watches, iPhones, yeah. or iPods, etc. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I, I think it's a really interesting call out, but I think it speaks to... Like Tim Cook's a G, man. He's an operations machine. And yeah. the ability that they saw that the iPhone was this beachhead that was insurmountable, yeah. but not forever. And yeah. they started to build all these ancillary revenue streams around it with the iPhone at the center. I don't know. I mean, that's why they're first trillion dollar company. It's, yeah. it's I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's uh, just beyond impressive. So yeah. I think it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. The um, messy. Let's what else it, you dude. got? No, let's hit messy, dude. What we talking about? On oh, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is something that is uh, really interesting to me. So I, I don't know if you saw it too. He came to, uh, for people that don't know, Lionel Messi is uh, the equivalent of like a, a Michael Jordan or an Aaron Judge or Derek Jeter. I mean, just the, the pinnacle of the sport. Like he's he is the man. He's starting to age out a little bit. And as you age out there for, again, kind of just give people context, there's a few big uh, European leagues. So you have the La Liga that is in Spain. You have the Premiership in England, which is probably the top league in the world. And then you have um, the French League. It's not horrible. And then you have the Bundesliga in Germany. But really, the Spanish and the the, the Premiership is the top top tier. And then yeah. the, the Spanish League, is La Liga, is not terrible either. But those are kind of the two runways. Yeah. All right. With that being said, once you're kind of this superstar and you start to age out, you not that you can't hang, but you're just... It, it's it's a lot. And so you start to phase out into different parts of your career. And so MLS has been grabbing a lot of these OG Europeans. So really famous Zlatan Ibrahimovic yeah. was a famous striker. And so anyways, all these people land in the MLS. What has happened is um, the Saudis have been throwing bags at people. Kareem Benzema, again, another top tier player that's kind of phasing out. Cristiano Ronaldo, again, getting to the latter years of his career is making a bag in Saudi Arabia. And they threw Messi an absurd m amount of money, yeah. but he didn't want to go. And so he really wanted to go to Inter Milan, but also wanted to make sure, you know, that he's value for value getting paid. And so what was so interesting is on top of the $50 million a year salary, he's going to get a percent of Apple Plus sales. So Apple Plus just bought all the streaming rights to the MLS and he just recently switched from Nike to Adidas and he's going to get a percent of jersey sales. And so those rev shares are going to more than surpass and make up the difference in um, the salary gap. So I thought it was just a really interesting way to structure a deal. And it's also interesting to me because I wonder if you're like Mike Trout or if you're somebody that commands so much attention, is this something that's going to become the norm? Yeah. Because I, I can't see any of these other leagues doing that because MLS, candidly, is just not not in the place of like the NFL, no, the no. MLB. Even the NHL probably has a little bit more pull than the MLS does. Um, definitely not the NBA. And so what are your thoughts? Do you think it was a, a good call for Messi to snub the oil money, if you will, and, and bring his talents to Inter Milan? Oh, the other wrinkle I forgot to say is Inter Milan is managed and uh, quasi-owned by, or majority ownership by um, another soccer legend, David Beckham. So that was there was already a kind yeah. of rapport there, if you will, with the yeah. team and things of that nature. But yeah, wh where do you land on this? Smart, not smart? So Inter Miami, right? Yep, uh, correct. And he got, a, Messi got a percentage ownership when his playing days are over as well. So like that's also part Correct. of the deal. So him playing makes him more money on everything, but also makes his ownership stake much more Correct. valuable. And he's getting in kind of at a good price because they're such a bad team as well. It's also yep. the closest one to his home in Argentina. Yep. I would go back to when David Beckham came to the MLS after he was yep. leaving Real Madrid, I think it was. Yep. And... He, in his deal, because he wasn't going to get paid as much, like negotiated that he would get some some of these things, fringe benefits, but one of them was to like get access to a, an MLS soccer team ownership group. Like he wanted that eventually. So I think he saw like, okay, if David Beckham did this, he's coming here. There's access to this. There are very few players that are actual market makers and there are very few leagues oh, that's a good that are actual 
like nation leagues where they're trying to grow themselves and become a predominant player. So this is interesting, right? You have in the United States football and then you have everything else, right? Like legitimately, yeah, baseball wins in numbers, but there's 162 games. So they're going to just win volume, right? Yes. Basketball, 82 games, still a volume sport. But like those aren't regular season, very exciting. So like now we're saying, okay, MLS has a shorter season in terms of quantity of games, the amount of scoring, and we're starting to bring in market-making players. Yes. We could, just based on the global popularity of the sport, surpass these other two sports here if we do this thing right and we get the right players involved. And so I think there's some really, there's some smart calculus going on from the owners of like, look, we can sit here and try to own everything of a smaller thing, or we can own a little bit less of a bigger thing, but have it be a bigger thing. Because the NBA and the like ratings will show it's been like stuff has been going up, but it's not like the NFL just goes like this, right? It's just up and to the NFL's behemoth of behemoth. It's a behemoth. So I think there's an opportunity because like MLS will pass hockey if it hasn't already. Like I haven't actually looked into the ratings. It will pass it. Hockey is to me is as much as I know people love it, I'm going to get shit on by this fine. But hockey is a kind of a dead sport. Baseball for me is kind of on the way. Let me push back on that. I don't think hockey is a dead sport. I think hockey is a regional sport. If you don't grow up in the cold, like neither of us, like I grew up in Indiana where hockey was not a big thing. But like if you go to Michigan, you go to Wisconsin, you go to like cold Chicago, like cold cities in the States, it's, but it's regional. Like if you don't, if you're not in cold, like you're on the, you're in beautiful California. Like, I mean, there's a semblance of like roller hockey ish, but it's not the same as ice hockey. So it's, it's very much so in my opinion, a regional when you go to a game, it's super fun, though. Like, it's super incredible. Fun. It's like an incredible sport. Amazing. Crazy athletes, athletes too. Oh, yeah. my God, dude. What they do. I can't yeah, stay standing athletes. on ice. Like, I don't know yeah. how the hell they do that. Uh, I would fall down and somehow slip my throat uh, yeah. um, or cut off a finger or something. But I don't I reject your actual premise. I think your actual thesis is correct. I just wanted to put the caveat. No, you're I right. No, you're it's right. dead. It's just more so like it's hard to relate. And it's so seasonal. Like you can play yeah. football year round. Yeah. Like you, you can't really play hockey year round. The other caveat I would throw in there is it's one of the most expensive sports to play. Dude. Um, because Baseball's you need all expensive. this equipment. You need all this. Well, baseball's yeah. cheap if you think about it, because you can literally play with a stick and a ball. That's I mean, look at all the Latam countries that yeah. are I guess so like baseball do, and soccer are cheap, but like here we make baseball hockey's, expensive. Hockey's really, yes, but really like, expensive. but you can't play proper hockey like without sticks, skates, gloves, an chest ice protector, rink, like right? ice rink. Yeah. Like there, there's just a lot that it's yeah. it's, it's like a, a almost like, like a sister. Riding, it's like it's yeah, like it's like equestrian. It's like a sister of lacrosse, right? Yeah. Where it's like it's it's very expensive to play lacrosse yeah. as well, and so I think that right. also has some uh, impact on the adoption of the sport. Yeah. Where if you don't have a rink. Or you don't, you're not in a cold weather region and you like, and so anyways, I'm kind of in the weeds there, but I I agree with your thesis that I think that MLS and NHL are probably parody in terms of uh, viewership. I have to, we'll we'll look it up after, but I think you're right on that. I would agree with you. Messi hundred percent in my mind did the right thing. And I think there was some calculus here on his part, which is Ronaldo signed before him and he's like this fucking guy, right? Like going and signing over there okay, well, they're going to offer me more. I'm clearly the better player and the more important player. But I won at, I beat him when I was at Barca. I won those leagues okay. over there. I got the gold, you know, I got the golden boot, whatever. Now won the World I, Cup. Like, I won the everything. World Cup now. I've won more, more national players. I'm going to go make the MLS the second most important sport in the United States, win a championship 100%. there. And essentially, just be like, look, I am, I am Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan of soccer. And, and like, I think, obviously, we don't know this, but that had to be what David Beckham was telling him, right? Like, yeah. where do you want to ball out? Like Miami, Chicago, L.A., Seattle, New York. And Beckham went to the L.A. Galaxy, dude. Like, yeah, yeah of course, I want to get like. I want to have a shit ton of money in this wonderful city. It's a, a warm weather city. It's not death. So I think there's also some close to home, some close to home. I, so I think there's like a lot of lifestyle stuff as well. Cause like, I don't know. I'd much rather be 
in Miami, if I'm pretty much on already and already have all this stuff to sauce it up, then in some Saudi league where it's like you're basically going to play there and then fly home or fly somewhere else to go. He'll go fly do to this Dubai. Stuff, so. I'm sure he'll live in Dubai. Like, exactly. But even game. Dubai sucks. Like, dude, dude I've been there. 100% it's like, sucks, dude. It's, so it's, this, it's, is, this is my, if none of the, like, re, uh, the listeners have been to the Middle East, Rob and I are both Middle Eastern people. Yep. The Middle East is a lovely place. It's hard to live there. It's like real, it's like hot as fuck. And then if you're in certain countries, it gets like Iran, dude. It's like 110, 115 degrees. And then in the same city, it will snow in the winter. Like yeah. the Delta, and you're like, okay, why the hell do I live here? Brutal, and man. Saudi is like in the middle of the desert. It gets yeah. so cold in winter. Yeah. doesn't snow, yeah. but just like bone chilling temperatures. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Yes, uh, quality of life, not great. Sorry for Saudi brothers and sisters if you're listening. This is not meant to denigrate you. Um, I just won't be living in your country. I mean, so, Miami's top floor city, man. Yeah, I, I'm not a yeah. big Miami guy in terms of the city, but dude, if I had a bunch of money, it's definitely one of the places I would love to be. Oh, like, yeah. It's, it's, it is a, if you have money there, it's a top floor yeah. city. I mean, you can't beat it. So I know I, I think it was good on Messi. I yeah. think it was the right call. I, I thought it was really interesting. I guess the to wrap up the too long didn't read for me is I wonder what the impact is yeah. on like you said those market making players because like Mike Trout Oshani the the other baseball player um, like there there's some just absolute monsters um, you can think yeah. of um, you know some big NFL guys coming in like hey yeah, Bra- oh Brady can I take was a some less maker, right remember when he oh, moved yeah, to Tampa absolutely. like it changed everything changed. Jersey's the blah blah blah. I mean, Mahomes market maker. Who else is a market? I mean, like, right? There's a few. There's a few guys that do that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers going to a New York. That's a market making move. Like, what? What is that going to do to their ticket sales, their TV ratings? Just the amount of people who were able to talk about in the offseason. Like, we always forget all the cottage industries that spin off of these players and these leagues, dude. Like, it's freaking insane how many life. And I listen to these people too on my free time. Right, like ESPN is literally built off of all of these leagues, multi-billion-dollar organization owned 100%. by Disney. You know, so Disney, yeah, really Disney. Agree. No, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think one of the more interesting things, and we'll get into the main topic after this, is without betting and fantasy sports and TV deals, like those are the three lifebloods of essentially yeah, the right. sports leagues. And you're like right. without those, like it, it, things just don't exist. And candidly. Like TV deals are definitely massive, but without betting and fantasy, I mean, that's what you saw. I mean, it was just an implosion during COVID, right? When like all the sports stopped, like all these other, to your point, cottage industries also stopped. Cause like yeah. if I'm running a betting house or a casino or like, and I can't, there's nothing to bet on. I don't make any money. Yeah. And there's no action to get in on. So I, I very astute points. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of the big one, though. Do you want to be Shopify or do you want to be one of us who's servicing brands who use Shopify? Like, it's pretty great to be Shopify in that situation because you're kind of, oh. you're the NFL, you know? 100%. You're not ESPN oh. who has to like, 100%. oh. 100%. So it's, it's a really interesting paradox there. Obviously, we've come down from messy, but like we're talking about market makers and then like market dictators, if you will. The NFL dictates markets right? Yes. And so it dictates its deals. It dictates all these things. And I mean, every deal the NFL makes for TV rights or something is the biggest deal it's ever made, right? ESPN yeah. bought this rights. And it's like, oh my God, it's like 10 yeah. billion higher than the last one. Well, dude, they yeah. have a lot of smart quants doing the models and saying in 10 years, this will actually be a really cheap deal. Uh, yeah. So like, let's just make it now and pay them more than it's worth because we're like, money will dilute over time anyway. So anyway, yeah, love that love topic. It. And, you know, it's been pretty nice. He's already been crushing. To come in and you score a free kick to win dude, the game dude, in stoppage goal. time. You can't write that. You I can't mean, Like life is, not what is it? Uh, I'm not an Inter-Miami fan, like, but yeah. a messy fan. I literally was fist pumping, sending the video to people. Like this is yeah. so epic. My brother life is calling is stranger me. than fiction. Yeah. Yeah, literally. It's a, literally. Like you could not, if you wrote that in a movie, you're like that's cheesy as fuck, yeah. bro. No yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then the the last thing that we'll talk about is the power play would be um, Messi made everybody change. Anybody that had artificial turf, they had to change it to uh, natural grass. Oh. What a G. But there's one team that like isn't going to do it. 
Um, and so there's like all this hullabaloo about if he's actually going to play in that game. I think it's his upcoming game. I think it's Salt Lake or I, I can't remember the team, but they're like, fuck you. We're not going to change our field. And yeah. he's like, all right, well, I guess I'm not going to play. Yeah. All your um, fans are going to hate I thought, you. What a, I thought that was a G move. Unbelievable. That's literally a market maker because all the NFL that is, has been trying to get the AstroTurf out and no one can get the teams to do it. It's literally That is maker. a guy that yeah. moves the market. No, yeah. I love that. Yeah. All right, um, main topic, man. So this is the one you're super, you and I are both super passionate about, which is this luxury yes. versus premium paradox. But you yep. articulate this so much more eloquently than me. What is the difference? I don't think people really understand. And frankly, until you delineated it for me, I didn't have such a great like technical understanding of what the difference between a luxury versus premium experience is. So like break it down and let's talk, let's chop it up. Yeah, I think the for me, I'm trying to find. Yeah, this is one of my favorite. To be fair, she was a horrible human, Nazi sympathizer. So take that with a grain of salt. But uh, built an incredible brand. Um, so this is Coco Chanel's quote on luxury, and I think it really is a great place to start. It says, "Luxury is a necessity that begins where necessity ends," and I, I think that's just such a bar because yeah. I, so like we talked about in the past, I come from an economics background, so I see things through kind of the economic lens just because that's that's what my academic career was uh, slathered in. And so in economics, there's something called utility. And you can just think of like, how how much value do I get out of the thing? Yeah. Luxury products are not based on utility whatsoever. And so one of the things that I've been joking around about is um, don't ever buy designer towels because I actually bought a pair of designer towels for a lot of fucking money yeah. and they're atrocious. I literally bought some Amazon basic towels that are pretty much on par, if not better than the one, these yeah. crazy designer towels. But the fact was that the packaging was different. The experience was different. You're buying luxury products because you're going to signal something to other people about your status, about your preferences and candidly about your economic weight class Station, yeah, and so sure. that's exactly what luxury is and so that's why there's a lot of so you know our favorite kind of distinction is you can buy a five thousand dollar coach bag which is an incredible handbag the leather is top floor like mm -hmm. the stitching is incredible everything's amazing but th that utility you're going to get from that five thousand dollar coach bag and the utility you're going to get from a sixteen thousand dollar birkin bag it's not going to be that much different. No. And so that's what gets really interesting to me is like you have this luxury. And the last thing before I throw it over to you is that usually luxury is rooted in heritage. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it's very hard to generate heritage. And usually luxury is multi-generational. That's when you know mm -hmm. luxury is probably not a luxury brand if the son or daughter or what have you doesn't know that brand. And so that's kind of a, another little tidbit I'll throw out there is that it's very hard to build a luxury brand. So like, for example, Hermes literally made saddles. Louis Vuitton was actually uh, made those chests for um, the king, like an entourage for one of the kings. And Fran like there's all these things of like, and so it's very hard. Gucci's super old fashioned house. Um, so anyways, I'll toss it over to you. But that was my thing of um, it, it, you can't think of luxury through the rational mind of like mm -hmm. buying a product through utility. You have to think of luxury through this fact of exclusivity, status and signaling. No notes. I mean, I we have Missoni towels and it's literally just so that they're in the bathroom when people... <laughs> Come like they're, like I have I, I'll show I'll, I like I have a bunch of stuff that's just meant to be there. We have a Missoni throw ta uh, like throws on our chairs. Yeah. The kids yeah. fuck them up. To be honest with you, like <laughs> they're always there pulling them down, but they have no utility. They are terrible blankets and terrible towels. Right? They're like yeah. absolutely horrible. But they have the Missoni print where it's like okay, that's yeah. that's absolutely the thing. Even scarves, dude. You get like. You get a nice scarf. My wife has a bunch of these Louis Vuitton scarves, like yep, thousand yep. bucks or something, and it's they're not better than a, a fifty dollar one you get on Amazon or go and grab at TJ Maxx. They're just Louis Vuitton, um, yep. and so it goes with any outfit, right? Uh, yeah. So it's kind of I, I completely agree. Like util, it it should never be about utility. It should always be about how it makes you feel and the story that you're able to tell about yourself. With, with that item. Yeah, and this is going to sound crass, but not only how it makes you feel, 
but how other people think of you. Yes, yes. And yes. that, that like, you know, it, it's not necessarily probably the healthiest place to be in psychologically, yeah. but at the end of the day, that's what most luxury brands are built off of is exclusivity yeah. and like, I'm on the in-group and I'm not on the in-group and I yeah. want to be on the in-group. And this is kind of an interesting digression, but this is why um, luxury brands fight back so much on counterfeiting. It's not so much that they care about other counterfeit bags being out there. It's that they don't want Joe Schmo or Sally Susie on the street walking around with a perceived Birkin bag because that yeah. degrades the exclusivity and the status. And then now their actual customers be like, oh, I saw that person with that. That's not somebody I want to be yep. um, related. They're not related to, but like grouped in with. I, yeah. I'm in this group over here. And yeah. so that's where a luxury brand, uh, you know, and I didn't agree with it, but I, and I don't even know if Tommy, I mean, I guess at the peak, it was quasi luxury, but that's how Tommy Hilfiger got really annoyed about all the black rappers, which was horrible. I don't, I don't know if he's racist or not, but it, it wasn't a good look for him. But no. that's the reason why he was so angry about all these black rappers wearing all of his clothes was because he was selling to this country club of rich white people and yeah. then these rich white people see Tommy Hilfiger in these music videos and they're like, I'm not like that person. Yeah. I am a hedge fund manager, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then it started to degrade that perceived brand value. Um, again, I'm not endorsing that or anything. I thought it was actually a pretty horrible thing. It was the same thing with... It's kind of funny how uh, it's flipped was it? though 30 years later, right? Like you yeah. want that now. Like Louis Vuitton yes. has... I mean, think about the shows, right? Like yes. All their yes. shows are just filled. Pharrell runs the Louis Vuitton uh, Dude, fashion house. Exactly. Now. Exactly. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's funny how it's funny how history has kind of or time has shifted on that. That's very much kind of a proper I was born in the 30s, 40s and kind of selling yes. to that 80s um stock broker crowd. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I mean, so I guess on this Luxury versus premium. So there are a lot of brands that that we like. So like there's a remember I got that that uh Ritz Carlton frame hat and we we're both just yes. worn about it. And the, yeah, it's because it felt like frame didn't do a good enough job for what the not Ritz Carlton, excuse me, the Ritz of Paris. So it said Ritz Paris yes. on it. We'll link it out so you can see it. Quality was decent, but like it didn't feel that great on the packaging quality, like nothing special about it. It was a hundred and thirty-five dollar yes. hat, right? Yes. There should have been something special. I mean, I sent it back. I'm like, I'm not keeping $135. Yeah. That doesn't just absolutely make me feel like a like make me feel like a god, right? Yes. But the Ritz, it's a weird kind of like allowing their licensing their name out to that company yes. because Frame is a premium product, right? They sell $200 jeans, but like yeah. you would never say they're a luxury. They're not a luxury brand. They're cool. They're really high end, but yeah. it's not something where you're going to say, okay, it's a luxury experience, a luxury, this luxury, that. And so putting those two things together. And so I think why I, why I wanted, and I think we wanted to talk about this is I think a lot of companies either like try to do premium, but don't go all the way yes. or don't understand that they should do at least a little bit of premium given their kind of ACV of their stuff. Yes. Also within the sphere of our kind of DTC, you know, sisters and brothers, if you can figure out how to do some more premium feeling things and keep your margins intact, your customers will love you even more and kind of come back to my yes. favorite thing where word of mouth will go crazy. So yes. I've gone on a bit of a diatribe there, but I think there's something there where people don't understand how to delineate, which is why I loved your definition and when they should pull that lever. And I think dinners are something that people have done, but I don't know how you feel about all of that in terms of just our um, like our world and, and what companies are doing. Yeah, no, I, I think you're trotting down the right path personally, where I think everybody, sh for the most part, should aspire to be a premium brand. For example, I consider Amazon a premium brand, even yeah. though they sell really cheap stuff, because what's Amazon's brand rooted in? I can get the cheapest stuff and I can get it the fastest. Like that is, that's a premium. That's so much utility for me. Like I love that. So I think every brand should strive to be a premium brand. I don't think every brand should try and be a luxury brand because yeah. there's the economics are great. And that's why a lot of, I'm, 
brands want to try and be a luxury brand. Yeah. But the challenge with the luxury brand is you have to control. So there's a great line. If you control your distribution, you control your brand. And this yeah. is what my thesis is why you'll never see proper luxury on Amazon. Because the moment you see an up and coming like quote unquote luxury brand, and if I see any of that in like a TJ Maxx or something like that, like a reseller, it's done. That brand's over. They need over. to burn that stuff. They yeah. need to, they need to keep that distribution tight. And so it's just really challenging. And again, most of the best luxury brands are really storied multi-generational, where it's yeah. not it's not built overnight. And so that that's I think the big challenge. But to your point, I think everybody should strive to be a premium brand. It doesn't necessarily again need to be about price. Like you again, Amazon is is not a premium brand or it's a premium brand, but they sell a lot of, you could call them, you know, sub premium products, but the brand is built around that utility of fast logistics and shipping. Really awesome. Really. I mean, candidly, it's not a horrible buying experience either. And then you get a huge breadth of products. So moving this over to kind of the D 2 C B2B SaaS realm, I think you can absolutely make that premium brand and you can sprinkle in some, luxury adjacent fun things like again the whaleys we did the little black tie gala and stuff like that but ultimately how can you make people feel awesome and drive utility is yeah. really going to be the path for your brand because exclusivity does not lend well to broad products obviously right like it's it's almost like that that is yeah. the counterfactual of like do yeah. you want to be a broad product if you're a broad product you will never be a luxury brand there is yeah. no mass distributed luxury brand by definition yeah. and so that is going to be why however luxury brands so apparel is notorious for horrible margins like luxury brands have SaaS like margins. Like if yeah. you look at LVMH, yeah. they make a crap ton of money. Like, you know, again, an Hermes or something is selling maybe that Birkin costs seven thousand dollars to make and they're selling it for sixty. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so that's the the give and the take. But for our listeners, I would not strive to make a luxury brand. I would strive to make a premium brand and build on the vectors that your customers are really excited about. Again, I, I like the jobs to be done framework. And then those are the vectors that you want to push, push, push. Because to Chase's point, when you give somebody an incredible experience, it, it can be life-changing. And there, there's this weird psychological lock-in where it's like, I, I fuck with this brand. And you have to do a lot to really break that. Not that you yeah. can't break it, but once you, this, this is also kind of small, another small digression, but this is why um, shoe companies advertise so heavily. Because the lock-in is so great. Like once you find a shoe brand, you usually stick with that shoe brand that for did. life. Yeah. And guess what? Your kids usually adopt it as well. And so you get into this almost again, multi-generational, non-luxury, but really kind of trickle-down effect in terms of the the marketing and brand. So yeah, definitely I, I I think Apple's a premium brand. I think Amazon's a premium brand. I, and I think there's places where people would say Apple's a luxury brand. And Apple is absolutely not a luxury brand. No, no, no. It's 100% a premium brand. I think what they've done, um, and Steve Jobs did this, by the way. So first of all, yeah, great. Love everything. Love every, everything you said. I think that striving to be premium is the right place because... What premium does is it's taking a lot of the ethos of luxury and saying, okay, we're going to take some of the ethos here, but we're going to spread it across those vectors of what we, you know, the jobs to be done for our, you know, our ICP in the adjacent markets. And we're going to go wide, right? We're going to start small, but yes. we're going to go wide. We're going to have pricing and entry points or the, the on-ramps, as you said last time, on-ramps to getting into our product and they can grow, but they're never going to be so out of like out of reach because... There's yes. utility to them. So like a $5,000 computer from Apple, you're like, well, I'm going to use it every day. Like, yeah, I don't want to spend it, but I'm literally going to use it all day, every day. $5,000 purse, am I going to use that? Especially because it's $5,000, so you don't want to use it every day because you're like, I don't want to yeah. fuck up. Am I going to use that twice a month when we go out? So that's a year. It gets used 24 times. Like, like the, the unit economics, if you're just looking at like cost per usage are completely different. Yeah, amortizing it. Yeah. yeah, amortizing it. Exactly. Across all of that. So I think absolutely premium is is that what I think it's funny you bring up Apple. So I heard this thing. He, Steve Jobs got some of his product guys when they were re when they were thinking about the um, Apple store to go yeah. to the Ritz Carlton. Have you heard the story? Take the Ritz no. Carlton concierge courses. 
Yes, I love that. Yeah, and so they went and learned how do you provide a luxury, because Ritz-Carlton is a luxury brand, a luxury experience within this. Obviously, we're getting these mass market products, but we want people to feel like they're coming to a luxury hotel because they're still paying a top, top end premium price, right? For the products where they could go to, back in the day, go to fries and get it, you know, something. No, the OG. Yeah, the OG fries, dude. Let's Uh, go. My grandpa used to take me. He'd love that place. Uh, Dude, my favorite, not to cut you off, but my favorite story about fries was, so for people that don't know, Fry was was like this uh, super seller of electronics. It was this massive, like make Walmarts look small, just everything you can think of. Um, and so they just have the most cutting edge technology in there. And then you'd go and check out and they would literally print your receipt on the printers that still had the roller yeah, things. Yeah, that, I'm just like, yeah, there's and you so much truck. technology in here. And you're like, this is what my receipt is. It was right off the, it, edge, I, I, right off the edge. Yeah, I always oh, found absolutely. that that was such a funny juxtaposition. Kids don't know about that stuff, man. They don't know they, about stuff. They don't know. They don't uh, know about the yeah. runner paper. But uh, that, sorry, I totally fucked the roof no, 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 That's not, just not one of my favorite juxtapositions. I love that. But I think the... That's a really important one. So what I think you have to also remember when you're, you have to look at what your ACVs are for your customers or your AOVs and understand what you can do reasonably, right? Because you should not be fucking with your margins too much to make some of these more premium experiences or luxury experiences happen within your premium product. But to go back to episode six of Moonshot Marketing, you should do it every so often to remind your customers that you want them to have a premium experience, right? So you do dinners for a certain amount of time within your SaaS company. Do it for a quarter. They get expensive. Turn them off. Make sure people are excited. Say like, we're excited to do our next round of dinners next summer. Oh, there's some FOMO. There's this, there's that. Who's going to be let in? Am I going to be on the list, right? This is something interesting. We talked about memberships a little bit ago. Like, what's the membership look like? All of these little things that you can do and caveat. Again, the Obvi guys do a great job of having their community. Not every person is in that community, but they get exclusive stuff. What does that mean? I think the the big one, though, I want to, I'm going to hit it one more time. Understand what your business can do, push it to the limit, and then just make one or two bets a year that make it feel yes. just a little bit more important that you can shout about. But make sure you also plan the infrastructure around the shouting so that it has a really big impact and you have a much bigger megaphone than you would have regularly. So if you have to amplify that through some press or you have to spend some money on social to get it or you need a few influencers, whatever you need to do to make it so there's like, I always call it like impact density. Like there's, there's a yeah. really dense impact around what you're doing because you've been super focused on making it a really, really important, impactful thing. So that's my diatribe on that. What do you think? No, I, I think I, I'm totally aligned with it. And I think like, so from what like experience, what we were trying to do with the Whaley's was make this quasi luxurious experience where we rented out one of the top restaurants in the city. We got the best speakers to come speak. Um, we had just just this incredible branding. It was very exclusive. We sold out. So there was people constantly asking, hey, can we get tickets? Can we do this? Can we do that? Can you get me a ticket? Can you give me a free ticket? Et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, I don't think you need to run them all the time. But there is, again, going back to that emotional reciprocity of when you can make people feel special, feel like they have status, and feel like they are part of something exclusive, it can be a hell of a drug. And it gives you entry points into people that might not have given you the time of day. Like the pretty girl might not talk to you, but the pretty girl sure as hell gives you a text when you're throwing the best party on campus. Oh, And it, it, it is what it is. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying that there's, I've learned in life, it's better to not get mad at the game, but understand it and decide if you want to play or not. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's kind of the thing there is like if you if you can throw again, make people feel special, make people feel exclusive and make people feel like they're part of something unique. It can go a really long way. What companies do you feel have done a good job of this? So like we talked about the so last last episode, we talked about a few companies that have done a good job. I think Minted has done a really nice job of building yep. a great experience. Marcus launch has done it. Carte Blanche has done a great job of making the stuff yep. feel really special. Like you got to get it because they have the yes. drops like we talked about. 
What other companies, even SaaS, like, yeah, what what other companies do you think are doing a good job of building these kind of experiences for people? I thought YouTube does a really good job, yeah. especially early on with the YouTube creators. They had studios in LA for a little while. Like, and if you're a top floor creator, like YouTube understands. And this is why I think kind of uh, why Threads is not taken off or pretty much almost defunct now because they couldn't get the creators to come over. Yeah. And without the creators, Threads is just a vessel for content. Yeah. And so if you don't have the best content there, there's, it doesn't matter. Um, I think TikTok did an okay job of this, but candidly, yeah. it looked like a little bit more smoke and mirrors where YouTube yeah. actually put rubber to the road. Yeah. Um, I think Shopify does a really cool job yeah. with this, with the little cool little orders thing. Again, oh, so you, a little bit of a homage to YouTube with your yeah. subscriber plaque. Yeah, Minted, I think is great. And candidly, dude, all the luxury brands are fantastic. Oh, like high-end luxury. Like so the good, online dude. experience is atrocious. Like uh, I've bought some Dolce & Gabbana. I've bought Gucci. The online experience is atrocious, especially when you're accustomed to like an Amazon or a shopping experience yeah. where it's like super clean. You're well, getting how, notifications how get all, all the time. Have gotten, right? Like every yeah, DDT yeah. company is just so fucking dialed. Like so like, dialed. It's, it's horrible, dude. Like you feel like you're on a website that's from 2009. A lot of times. Oh, dude, dude you, you get basically an email. Like we took your money. Yeah, and then yeah. it's just this this ghost for ghost yeah. session forever, and it also gives me more anxiety because these are usually like higher price point purchases. So yeah, it's yeah. like it's one thing if I'm buying like a fifty hundred dollar thing; it's another thing you're buying an eight hundred dollar set of towels. You're like, dude, yeah. where the fuck are my towels? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> but my thesis is, I think because they're so geared towards retail and in person, yeah. because when the package comes, I don't care if you buy like again a lighter or a handbag. The experience of the Dude. unboxing, the quality, you always get like a nice little card with stationery, like all these beautiful, super weighted paper. Yeah. The unboxing is almost always bowed up. These boxes that you could literally hit somebody and knock them out with. Like, yeah, there's not been what kind of what we were talking about <laughs> offline. There's not been one. You know how it is. You get those heavy yeah, luxury those boxes. boxes like, man, they they're are, so heavy. Are That's but, so but you're just like, dude, like, the people that put this together did not care about how much it cost. No. All they cared about was the experience was the best experience yeah, possible. And again, that's not afforded to a lot of D2C or premium brands. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that is, again, the bifurcation of yeah. a real luxury brand yeah. is not only product, but it's experience and unboxing. And Again, this is kind of why you can run that anti-marketing playbook. And that's why you see a lot of these terrible websites from high-end luxury brands because they know you're going to figure out how to buy. Like yeah. you want to go back to market makers. They're market makers in your They're mind. Makers. Like they, they yeah. you're going to run through the hoops to buy the fucking thing. I'm sure Dylan like is just raging right now because he's like, dude, look, at why is the conversion rate? But yeah. I think that's missing the point. Is like luxury doesn't care about conversion rate. In a weird way, that friction is a feature, not a bug, because the people that do get through it That's are the ones that are really going to want it. And so, again, it, there's a whole anti-marketing playbook, playbook, which I don't think you should run unless you're in high-end luxury, but I find it fascinating. I think there's something there, though. That friction is not, is not a bug. It's a feature. It's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. That sounds better. Premium, even premium experiences or luxury experiences that you want to give your premium customers are usually have more friction. So like the whaleys, you got to fly yeah. into Austin. You got to come in here. There was a snowstorm. You got to get a ticket right? first. You the ticket sold ticket. out. Now like, what happens? Got, like, what, like what are you going to do? You got to get dressed up. You got to find, if you have kids, you got to find someone to watch them. If you have an animal, someone to watch them. There's so much friction, but it makes the experience actually better because when you're there, you're like, fuck, I'm here. Right? It's not like, oh yeah, I went to this thing. And so That's similarly, dude, so it's a dinner, right? Like, That's really interesting. The things you, so, you know, when they say, and I guess this is a really interesting one for people, you go and you do all of this work. And like, you know, we talked about it, you know, these jobs, when you take in early stage companies, it's like not easy. No, it's very At the end, you look back and you have all this nostalgia, man, so much fun. I learned so much. Oh my God. When you're in it, you're like, God, this is fucking, I'm throwing bows. I'm trying to protect myself. Yeah. I'm like, my katana is red because I've killed so many fucking people. But See that Japanese callback, people? Oh, we dude, are on I, it. Like we, we literally, everything is just dialed here. But the struggle to make things happen. For instance, say you're, you can't afford just off the jump something from 
so one of the LVMH companies. Yes. You go get something from Louis Vuitton. You save up for a year. You yes. go to the store. Yes. You buy it. You get the experience. Yes. They give you your champagne. Yes. They check you out. They call you ma'am or sir. Sir. Yes. Who the fuck calls they, you ma'am or they sir? They walk the bag around the they counter, walk, never yeah, hand yeah, yeah. it over the counter. You're never, like you're these little things. at it, right? Does this, they place it in front of you. The idea is the friction. They know it's all, it's all the fucking, it's just theater. Right. And so I guess what yes. I'm saying to people generally is people want a little theater in their lives. Yeah, we want Netflix, but people want to go into the theater and see Oppenheimer. They want to go to the opera. They want to go see a play. Not every time. Like that's a lot of work. Netflix is an easy day to day kind of thing. But every once in a while, give them the opera, give them the whaleys, give them that friction filled experience. What I would caveat emptor that with. I think this is for me where I want to like, I'm going to put a pin and I want to leave it to you and then we can jump is make sure you've bought over time the ability to do this because you can't just do it from the jump if you're not a luxury brand from the fucking jump, right? Yes. If you're a premium and brand trying to give that experience, you have to have earned the ability to ask them to go through friction to experience this with you. That's my yes. only thing. So no, that's kind of how I want to like leave it for myself. But what do you got? To your point, dude, the Whaley's was coming off the cusp of a Shopify raise. I we'd been grinding for almost a year, year and two months or something like that. You like this it, wasn't this was the pinnacle of this was the crescendo, yeah. if you will, of all that hard work. And yeah. the, the other thing back. there too. Let it go. Yeah, see, we're getting it. <laughs> we're on it, people. Uh, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think there's something uh, interesting there. If you guys want some uh homework, there's a great book by a guy named Daniel Kahneman, and he talks about um, the bifurcation of your psyche is essentially the experiencing self and the remembering self. And mm. so what you're talking about there is like the experiencing self can have, because I've had this with triple well, like yeah. I don't regret anything, but man, it was fucking hard. But like yeah. now that I look back on it, I'm like, oh my gosh, it was so amazing. And so the experiencing self, dude, I was stressed. I wasn't showing up in my relationships. I ate like shit. I didn't sleep. Like it was just this perpetual stress ball. But now that I have the remembering self and I look back on it, it's always rose-colored glass. I'm like, yeah, we did course, the way leaves. We yeah, sent yeah. the iPhone to space. Yeah. I had the yeah. best team ever. We had an awesome office, like all yeah. these things. So that was just something that reminded me of the um, the what you were talking about, the friction. Yeah. But yeah, don't be scared of a little bump and grind. A little, yeah. a little friction doesn't hurt. But that, no, again, no. be kind of what the theme that you've been giving me personally with my, my life is be intentional with it. And you need yeah. to understand that this isn't yeah. about necessarily a business objective. This is about inserting some special sauce into your premium brand where it's yes. like, oh, cool. We have this really cool little thing on the side that our exclusive customers, because that's the other thing that we can wrap up on here is not all your customers are created equal. And I, I know no. you want to try and treat them equal and it is what it is, but like... Definitely not. Bigger stores might get preferential treatment. Like, I mean, I hate to say it, but when we had big clients call for Whaley's tickets, guess what? They got them. A couple Whaley's tickets yeah. <laughs> somehow showed up. Yeah, yeah. We, we got we, two we more seats. Wait. Yeah, we, pr we printed more. I mean, dude, John Wooden talks about this. The best players get treated better because they're the best players and they carry the team yeah. and yeah. they work harder than you. Like, it's not that. It's just there are tiers and it's not a bad thing. I think the there's great levels thing is, to this game. There's levels to this game. Is. My whole call to arms for everyone is like, dude, you can you can move up. Like the world is your oyster. Like keep just yes. pushing. You can you can absolutely get there. Pharrell is the creative director of this Louis Vuitton, right? Louis Vuitton. Yeah. The fashion house now. Yeah. He was not that 10 years ago. He was not that 20 no. years ago. He was not that 30 no. years ago. But he is 30 years later. And that's because he just kept going through the levels of the game. Now he's, he's fucking Pharrell, right? As much as like arguably one of the most iconic fashion houses in the world. Oh, of all, dude, of all time. Are you joking? Yeah. I mean, yeah. even you think about Ye, as much as he's been controversial, the amount of like impact that he had on fashion, all this kind of stuff. And it was just levels over time, right? He worked, he yes. worked, he worked, he worked, he worked, he figured things out. So yes, premium brands use luxury with caution, add some friction, but do it. Absolutely oh, do it. Um, that's that's a perfect way to uh, yeah. end it and wrap up is premium yeah. brands use luxury with caution. Luxury brands are the path, but they take a really long time to build and they have a lot, a lot of headaches. Um, and so it's one of those 
you know, if you can get to the top of that mountain, yeah. that mountain can print money forever. But even then, dude, like, again, I, we said we'll wrap up here, but we Never really do. will wrap up here. Uh, the the Gucci brand took a huge slide. Yeah. Like, that was arguably Bernard Arnault's only one big mistake was he could have bought Gucci for basically nothing. I think it was yeah. like, they were asking $50 million or something. Something yeah. stupid, like he super cheap. Big, and, he, and he said, yeah, you know what he said? He said, you know how much Gucci's worth? nothing oh, <laughs> what a g <laughs> what a g and now gucci's really you know it's back in the top yeah. tier of the fashion houses and yeah. so no it's it's really fascinating stuff but yeah if you guys want kind of uh, a more eloquent and in-depth discussion on this our friends over at the acquired fm podcast do it an amazing job Dude. breaking down lvmh and that we took that a lot of inspiration is. from that episode i think it's honestly their best episode the it's blackbird episode one. was really cool yeah. Um, but the LVMH one, I think it, just because it's so close to home for me where it's yeah. like, I I, listen to it I just love, yeah, yeah. Dude, I love the idea of yeah. luxury. It's just such yeah. an interesting because it's so antithetical to everything you'll learn in marketing. Yeah, yeah. Everything is about value quick. Make sure the customers are, you know, like it's just 100%. Okay, product of the week. What we got? This is something that I've been using. I've promoted it before, but uh, uh, this is a new audience. So I want to make sure that you guys get the love. So I'm a big, big time blocker. So for people that don't know what time blocking is, it's kind of what it sounds like. You literally just block times for that specific task. So, yeah. hey, I'm going to podcast. Hey, I'm going to write. Hey, I'm going to go work out, et cetera, et cetera. And so AccuFlow is this calendaring tool that allows you to do that. But what I really like about it is you can make it like a nexus of all your communication tools. So if I star something in Slack or if I start email in my uh, superhuman or if I have um, something in Notion that I add it'll add it to my to-do list and then mm. I can take it in that to-do list in AccuFlow and then slot it into my calendar because mm. before I had the concept of time blocking, I was a notorious, oh, like my eyes were bigger than my brain where I'd be like, oh yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And then I have like this list of 20 things. And then once you start slotting it in, you're like, oh yeah, that's not going to take me five minutes. Even on the, like me on level 12, it's still not going to take me five minutes. And so it was a really nice way for me to ratchet back my commitments because I, I have a, a hard time saying no sometimes. But when I had this time block scheduling tool, it really helped out. So AccuFlow, yeah. I think it's just AccuFlow.com. You can yeah, just, it is. I just opened it. it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a strong tool. Really, yeah. really been really happy with it. Oh, I love that. I'm uh, I'm actually going to get it. Really, really. Okay, give me it. give me your nugget now. You took my product. I showed you mine. Yeah. Show me yours. Mine is, we all get very focused on outputs, but inputs actually dictate pretty much 90%, no, 100% of what you do. Yeah. There we go, baby. I wrote, it, I wrote it down from yeah. our call yesterday. And so I think like Rob and I have been talking a lot about it on the personal side, but if we just distill it back, take a step back and say, okay, business, it really, if every facet of your life, intentional inputs actually have a huge impact. So even if you're, let's talk about like a, a email cadence. Being intentional about what you're trying to get the emotion a customer wants to feel. What world are they in? Kind of, can you hit 80% of all the customers? Every single thing has to be intentional. So the content you consume, the food you eat, all of this kind of stuff, but it really does layer into business. And so I think a lot of times we try to do everything and it's all, I mean, I've been like this before. You're just running around with yeah. your hair on fire. Yeah. I can do everything. You're spread too thin and it's like inch deep, mile wide instead yeah. of being inch wide, mile deep, because that's where impact happens. And so yes. that's also where you're happy, to be honest with you. Think about this, dude. When you're 100%. spread wide and you're trying to hold something, like it's really hard. It doesn't feel good. You feel nervous. You're sweating. Versus when you're just kind of like, you're just pushing at something very specifically, it becomes something that's, you you feel proud and you know you can ma master it. Not that you are master of it yet, but you can get there versus trying to do 10 things. Just impossible. So that's my my nugget this week, a little more on the personalized side than like an actual tactic, if you will. But I think everyone should be thinking about it. And the, all the people that I respect either are thinking about it or like have just amazing workflows for themselves on how to action this. Everybody that is killers that I know is insanely intentional with their time. And I do want to throw a little caveat here. This doesn't mean that you can't fuck around. Like you can build in wife time or like chill time or whatever, yeah. but just know when you are doing that, you're doing that thing. Yes. And I think that is really helpful because, yeah. um, 
you do need breaks and you need to uh, take some time off. You need to do these things, but understanding like this is what I'm using that time for. And then um, just to smash your point home even more because it's candidly been incredibly impactful for me over the last few weeks. If a man knows not which port he sails, no wind is favorable. Yeah, 100%, dude. And so you don't get to get life's little uh, yeah. boosters and um, little freebies because you don't have. And the other thing that we talked about, and we usually don't go too hippy dippy on here, but I really believe that once you, and this is a line from another great book called The Alchemist, but once you believe and go after something with your whole heart and soul, the universe conspires to help you succeed. Mm-hmm. Dude, I uh, recently, I said, you know what, I'm going to spend like more time with my kids. I'm trying to be too like, I get too work focused, especially in the end of the day when they're mm-hmm. both together, they're awake. All I did was I got an app blocker on my phone. I set the times and then I put a thing that would turn on on my phone and it would show me saying it's like it's kid time. And then it blocks everything except if my, you know, my emergency contacts, like my family, yeah, wifey, get, a hold, stuff, hold, yeah. get a hold of me. Everything else, just that. I put my phone away. It's on, the ringer's on. If someone needs me, they can get me. Besides that, go focus. And it's like an hour of like dedicated time. I'll be with them playing around, but like I'm going to focus I know how they, I don't know how they feel, whatever, but how I feel about it, the amount of energy I get from it being focused because I'm being intentional is incredible. And so I think that's like the learning for me is how much it makes me feel good, allows me to be of service or be good at the other things that I need to do. No, I think that's beautiful. And uh, just to piggyback off of that, I just recently did a essentially like almost three day, like Friday afternoon to essentially Sunday um, tech detox where I I didn't look at my phone literally at all. And what I realized was those micro interactions were so expensive for me. Like just texting people, like I had 150, 170 text messages, humble brag, uh, that I had to get back to a bunch of WhatsApps and shit like that. But it literally took me 20, 30 minutes. And guess what? The world didn't end. Like life was not over. And so that's something for my personality type I really need to lean into more is that intentionality and that batch communication because I I am just uh, a people pleaser. And it can be really deteriorating to productivity because I can never get the horse galloping. It's always like squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. So I love the vibe of intentionality, man. I think that that's it's, it's a beautiful way to live. By the way, I was one of those text messages and I was like, are you alive? Um, Proof of now, life, sir. Yeah, now, now I know. Now I know when I don't, I don't hear over the weekend. Not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, dude. I, I, I think, th- by the way, guys, this is the growth fault. You learn about business. You learn about life. Learn about history, some book quotes. We're just helping you grow. The, we're unlo- the vault is not just about B2B SaaS and D2C, guys. In a weird way too, man, I think as if you grow and become a better human and you lean into the things that you're excited and more awesome about, it helps your professional career yep. and vice versa. So Completely I think being, agree, a, being a rounded human is actually something that I never thought I would say because I was always been this fucking just kill, man. I'm just yeah. going to kill. And it's like, yeah. it's a lonely road and you need to have ways to understand why why you're doing yeah. it. And when you when you lose your why, it can be challenging. And so make yeah. sure you you find that why and you hold on to it. And if it changes, make sure you reorient yeah. your intentions around the change. What What is uh, Al Pacino uh, when he get into, got into yell mode in uh, any given Sunday? We're going to fight with our fingernails for that inch. Yes. Uh, so that was pretty my, good. That wasn't yeah, yeah, bad. Was I didn't terrible. know you had some impersonations yeah, yeah. over there. Oh, dude, I, I'm pretty good impersonator. Oh, wow. Good. I might start having, that might be another segment. Just chase. That's a good close. Who, yeah. Who are we going to impersonate today? <laughs> All right. You wonderful humans. Cool. Yeah. Uh, nothing cr- super crazy. I don't know if you guys are into The Witcher, but new episodes just dropped. Yes. I am into that nerdy fantasy stuff. So yeah. I will be hanging out with Gerald and we will get that down. You're Newsy a mentor pass. next week, dude. Yeah. No, Newsy dropping next week. We're going to drop it. Oh, Newsy. How did I bury the lead? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The first Newsy drops. Really, really excited for that. Go follow Chase. Um, Creative OS, Chase's kind of piece de resistance yeah. um, just dropped. There's a big ex- expert pack with me, Dara, uh, Barry, Shaq, Sarah. Who am I missing? Ash. There's one more. Ash. Oh, no. How am I going to miss my old yeah, gonna, yeah. I love you, Ash. I love you, Ash. Um, so that was really awesome. If you're looking to supercharge your static ads and get that 
ad account printing money again. Um, go check those out. Super reasonably priced. You get a bunch of them. Go ride the lightning there. And then, yeah, if you guys would subscribe, leave a review, it's super helpful for us. And then lastly, if you want or have any suggestions on how we can make this better, more meaningful for you, we've been trying to integrate some of the suggestions in terms of structure and building those things out. So let us know what you think. And then be sure to check out the previous episode on our purchasing moments. It's a longer episode. So, you know, smoke them if you got them kind of thing. Put your feet up, go for a walk or something like that. But It's something that I think is foundational knowledge that is going to be impactful for anybody out there trying to grow a business, whether that be in SaaS, D2C, premium, luxury. It's really um, applicable to everything. So we'll never do a better episode than that. I was really proud of that one too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's that's our LVMH at the moment. So uh, definitely check out that episode. And then I think that's all I got. I think that's it. Guys, this was a real, a real pleasure. R squared, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. This was uh, this was a blast. Tell yeah, me. and I got to tell you, dude, uh, that hat makes me want to have kids. Yeah, Not dude. that it just looks so good on you. I just I just want a tad gang hat yeah. now. Those kind of are cool. Uh, uh, those are yeah. pretty slick. No, they're they're they they're pretty those. they're pretty slick. They I uh, yeah yeah. Ao got one. Ao got the same one, and I got it before him. So oh, I was just giving him that had to, that oh, had to grind him because he's a bigger hat guy than you too. So that's, oh, dude, that's, yeah, absolutely. that's I so actually, I don't know. I didn't let the fro fly. Didn't free the fro out, but because yeah, we, we got the, the dad gang sponsor. Yeah, we got the dad you know, gang. We're doing, doing um, pseudo yeah. sponsors already. But, uh, yeah, yeah, dad gang sponsor the pod. Um, Let's get it done. Yeah. All right, bro. Next till next time, man. Okay, you're the best. Tell the the kiddos and wifey I said hi and uh, oh yeah, I'll be out there in like a, a month. Yeah, uh, for, dude. Uh, Jimmy's SD. event. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go. For the the commerce. Yeah, the commerce yeah. table. Yeah, yeah. Lane, Killing it. Shout out, Jimmy Kim. Yeah. Um, all right, folks. Thank you so much. Again, leave a review. Let us know what we can do better. And then have a marvelous weekend. Go do something crazy. Not too crazy. Don't get arrested. Push the boundaries. Yeah, go yeah. figure out life. Do what we Enjoy it. <laughs> do not do that. Do not do that. <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> all right. Love all you, right, brother. We'll see you on the flip. You too.